nowhere because uh, as I was telling you what I look for now in clubs is uh, is uh, to make sure I get the pleasure of coaching this is what I like I like winning of course but I like uh, I like uh, to be left alone in my preparation to be able to enjoy what I do first all Portuguese European final is between Porto and Braga You are in. Makes forward for Porto here in Dublin. Worried. Has picked up Falcao. He has been the man of this season's UEFA Europa League. It's his 17th goal in the competition this season. And it's a wonderful header. And Porto have won the UEFA Europa League. Andre Villas-Boas celebrates. But Falcao has been the star. Porto this season. Porto lift the trophy for only the second time in the club's history. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the teams of our lives. My goodness, Andy Brassel, you're looking splendid. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Very well, very well. I uh, whenever I I love the name Teams of Our Lives. There the, the, are our beautiful boys behind the scenes did a wonderful job coming up with that name. And every time I think of it, I th- I want to sing. These are the teams <laughs> of our lives. You know what I mean? Are you pitching for the theme music here? Big time, big time, baby. <laughs> no, I think our theme music is great. I think it's all great, Andy. I don't think you should denigrate it in any way. <laughs> right, I don't think you should. How are you, Andy? I can see you. We're all, well, I can see you on Zoom. You're fully clothed, much of the disappointment of me and no doubt the listeners. But of course, they have the um, the ability to to think of you uh, in the nude, of course, because they can't see you. Yes, I mean this is just the start of it. We have to say. So let's see how the following <laughs> minutes progress, because uh, if anything was gonna. Uh-huh. make you get ready to take your clothes off I think it would probably be the subject of today's Teams of Our Lives Well what an intro that is Andy we are going to talk today about Andre Villas-Boas's Porto in the season of 2010-11 he was only there for a season Andy but my goodness what a season he had He did and it just goes to show Marcus that experience isn't everything um, th- this is a guy who'd had less than a full season as um, a, a top flight head coach, uh, Academica de Coimbra, um, a, a choice which when uh, he left Jose Mourinho's um, backroom team to, to, to go and take, um, Mourinho thought he was making a mistake back in October 2009. And um there was a, a little bit of distance between them after that because... Um, no, I don't believe any of that. Oh, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's hard to get your head around. <laughs> Mourinho thought it was a mistake he left him and then he didn't really want to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, of, of course, villas Bosch is very much... villas Bosch is very much villas Bosch as well. But, you know, he took over a team at Academica that looked... Um, dead set for relegation they're a mess um they're bottom of the table and um he, he pulled them up into mid-table respectability with mm. no money so you know it's, it wasn't a glamorous job and i think that was one of the things that Mourinho found a bit difficult to get his head around really the village Boas was so 
some would say impetuous because mm-hmm. that is um i think an adjective to, that sticks to him throughout his career and mm-hmm. not unreasonably uh, on many occasions um but he was he was just so eager to um start his career and start um him being the boss so um anyway off he went to academica it went very well and they um, played some nice football as i understand it as well it yeah, didn't, that- didn't seem like a Backs to the walls, job, and so they kind of played their way out of trouble. Yeah, they 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 did, but still, at that point, despite the fact that he had this historic connection with FC Porto, because of course he, mm. he came from Porto, he grew up there. Um, there's the famous story about him um, growing up in the same apartment block as Sir Bobby Robson when he was a, a Porto coach, mm. and um, he uh, collared him very politely in 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 the um hall where the mailboxes were and said uh um, mr robson you should be picking domingos paciencia <laughs> and gave him a, f- a few of his ideas and um mm-hmm. uh sir bobby invited him to uh leave his scouting reports in his his pigeonhole he did the relationship grew and um mm-hmm. you know and bobby robson called him andre vs boa constrictor probably like that. <laughs> 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 yeah probably if he's lucky uh, and of course robson was huge in him getting the start of his coaching career because he got him on a um on, on a uefa coaching course um with the scottish fa when mm. um he was underage and so that gave him a start. Eventually, um, he he got sort of um, scouting missions at, at Porto, and that's really how his career grew from there. So, um, as as people know, so Bobby Robson was it was a huge huge part of uh, Village Boas getting into to, to coaching. But still, when he's at Academica, um, the idea of him becoming Porto coach seems a, a long way off. Porto are winding down what's a very, very um, successful period in, in, in 2009, 2010. Um, it, it ends up being the end of uh, Josualdo Ferreira's um, spell in charge and he had some very talented teams um, sort of rebuilding the club after Jose Mourinho, who you might describe as Gisualdo's arch nemesis because he was <laughs> really bloody mean about him on a, on a number of occasions, uh, going back to when uh, Mourinho was Benfica coach. Um, it was it was winding down and um, Benfica won the league um, in 9-10 in the first season of um, Jorge Jesus and they did it in terrific style. Mm-hmm. You know, bombastic coach, great hair, Mm-hmm. and um, he was someone who got Benfica playing joyous football um, both at home and abroad and after so many years in the doldrums it was it was, it was a great thing for, for, for Benfica and th- this is what led Porto to the conclusion and um, the president Jorge Nuno Pinto de Costa to the conclusion that Gisualdo had, had, had had his time really Um and I suppose, Andy, they would have thought, certainly Porto fans, thinking Benfica in the ascendancy, as you say, George Jesus having a great time there. Mm. They're playing good football. And, and, and that sort of, I know in, in Portugal, it can be sort of between the big two, you know, you know, it's a bit of a slugfest. Yes. It can, you know, so one can hit one and then they hit back and so on. But there's also a danger, as we see in, say, Scotland, similar kind of setup slightly, um, there can be a tipping of, of the balance. And you might think if you're a Porto fan, we might not win the league for another few seasons or something. 
we might be we might be struggling here. They're in the ascendancy. We're very much in the descendancy. Agreed. Because w- where are we going to go? Because you're right, totally. Because Benfica, the way they played, it wasn't just them winning the league. It felt era defining. It mm. felt as if it was the start of of a dynasty, and so much so that um, Porto were very keen on completely exploding the domestic landscape and bringing Jorge Jesus to to the the drag out. Now, what Benfica did in response to this is the golden handcuffs contract. So after oh, yeah. uh, Jorge Jesus, who's in his like mid to late 50s by this point, but it's his first major job nearly two decades into his coaching career. I reckon he's always looked mid to late 50s. <laughs> yeah. But in a, good, in a good way, in a good way. You know what I mean? Yeah, distinguished. Distinguished. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, he's not distinguished. I, I think <laughs> that the, the offer they made to him mm. was uh, something that could have changed Portuguese football because mm. Porto... Um, offered him a lot of money to come. And so Benfica, to lock him up, um, ended up paying him €4 million Euros a year, which in Portuguese football in 2010, my gosh, is a fortune. Yeah. So, Well, how much were Porto offering? Um, well, not quite that much. They were, yeah, they, were okay. offering, they were offering a lot more than, than he was already on. Okay. Um, but, but Porto wouldn't have been offering, it, offering that far off it. You know, it was... Like no player got gets paid that in Portugal at the time, mm-hmm. you know. No, Frank Lampard, no, no one near. No, no, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no player gets uh, no no player gets paid that in Portugal now, mm-hmm. and so um, that, that that was a, that was a huge thing. And, and once mm-hmm. the Jorge Jesus door shut, you wondered what next. Well, Vilas Boas was was next, and um, was that always the plan? Or, no. Or, or when I say plan, um, as in plan B, but when they turned to Vilas Boas. Did they sort of reluctantly do that, or did they think, "Oh, well, hang on, this guy might do something"? What was the feeling? Well, they were positive about it, but okay. I think to, you know, it would have been a stretch to to think that he could go and win the league in his first season, mm-hmm. and that they went on to not just win the league, yeah, but do it in such incredible fashion. Yeah, the only team that had been unbeaten in a Portuguese league season before mm-hmm. were the Englishman Jimmy Hagen's Benfica, which would have been. 73, 74, I think. So that they will come to the, the the many, many ways that Porto and Village Boas put one over Benfica <laughs> in the next little bit. But the mm-hmm. fact that they went through this entire league season unbeaten and Village Boas, he, he showed absolute balls of steel in that he went in there, he sold Bruno Alves, who's one of the senior players. Yeah. Another of the senior players... Um, Raul Manelish ends up going to to Liverpool, and you look at was that, it Chelsea at that time? Or was it Liverpool? He went Liverpool first, and, oh, he? and then okay. he ended up at Chelsea later. But I, I think when Manelish goes to to Liverpool, I think if you look at that from the outside, you think, well, you know, it's a, a Portuguese player who's done well, um, you know, going up a level, and you know, it's inevitable. But you know, his, his club gets some money, and they just have to stomach it. The mm. fact is that Villas Boas pretty much forced him out. He left him out of the team for the first couple of league games and he said, um, yeah, it's for technical reasons. It, it, <laughs> it, it didn't say any, anything like, um, you know, well, um, I'm just trying someone else out. He, he was obviously trying to get rid of him. And I think the fact that he went in there and just got rid of a few of the more experienced players so he could have the voice in the dressing room because yeah. he was at such a young age, of course. He was 33. 
Yeah, it's remarkable. It's unbelievable to take that job at 33. Yeah, it, it, it is. And um, it, then to impress his style of playing in the team, making them so dynamic, so much more aggressive than most Portuguese teams. It was almost a direct response to Benfica. And I'm not sure what other coach could have authored that. And he had those difficulties at the start of the season, like imposing his will, getting rid of those experienced players. You look at the numbers again and you think Falcao had an incredible season. At the start of that season, Falcao was struggling a little bit and he was frustrated. He felt like he maybe wasn't the key man in the team anymore. And Villas Boas made him feel good about himself, and he got him into a point where eventually he went on to be what was at the time the the, the record goal scorer in a Europa League stroke UEFA Cup season in in, in amongst his thirty nine goals he not, that he scored in all competition. I, th- I thought he still had the record, you know, seventeen goals, the most goals scored in a single Europa League or UEFA Cup campaign. It's it's but an I mean, it's an amazing record. Either either way, it's it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, it, you know, I I. It, it, it was interesting, Andy, because when you say sort of, you know, obviously at the start he's got to get things going, but but the fact is, you know, they were undefeated the whole season, twenty-seven wins and three draws in thirty matches, goals for seventy-three, goals against sixteen. Um, I think their only defeat that year or that season rather was they they lost away to Sevilla in the Europa League, but obviously they they went through. Yeah, um, it may well be another little um, result in there. I mean that suggests that he hit the ground running when it came to the actual start of the football. Yeah, and I think the way they played and the fact that they got from they got the ball from back to front so quickly. You know, it was all about that very modern concept of of transition. You know, that was something they did really really well. And um you know, they they goal threats all over the pitch. I mean, we 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 talked about um Falcao Hulk had the best season of his life at that Hulky. point. Exactly. Not only did he score uh, 35 goals that season, I think he chipped in with another 25, 26 assists. I mean, yeah. it was absolutely phenomenal. It was interesting. He was the league's top scorer with 23. And Falcao, I think, got 16 in the league. Whereas Falcao, it seems like mm. Falcao's, it's like you score the goals in the Europa League and I'll get them domestically, you know, yes. <laughs> which worked out very well. I mean, they had some players, though, in that side, you know, the, the players who went on to play for bigger sides. I mean, don't have time to go through them all, but Freddie Guarin would be one. Yeah. Um, maybe not one of the more successful ones in terms, but 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 fans of, of the Premier League will know Fernando went on to play for Man City. Mm. But they also signed that year Nicolas Otamendi from Vélez. Joao Moutinho from Sporting. Who was a game changer. Moutinho was an absolute game changer for Well, I remember years ago, around this time, I remember because when did we meet, Annie? 2009? That sounds about about right. I think it was you, me and AVB having a glass of port uh, (laughs) on the seafront at at Porto. Yeah, and I kept saying... The riverfront. I kept saying, tell me about Sven. You must have found him. <laughs> uh, I know he was, he was a Benfica man, but come on. Um, and uh, But you, I remember you used to talk about Joao Moutinho. Was, you used to talk him about, about him being one of the best players outside of your traditional kind of mm. group of best players at, at the time, if you know what I mean. Um, and also, they, they signed from Banfield, a little lad called James Rodriguez. Yeah, they did, who really came into his own after... Village both left actually, um, but this side had so much talent. Having a bit part in it, especially if you're that young, I, th- I think is 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 fair enough. I mean, you look at the turning points in 
in, in the season. And a lot of them actually have to do with Benfica. Um, I mean, I've, I think you look at, um, you go back to November um, where they play a classical in, in the Liga for the first time. And Porto win 5-0. They absolutely blow the team that have dominated Portugal for the, for the last year away. And uh, George Jesus has had some pretty dreadful moments at uh, the Dragao, but that, that was one of the worst of them. Um, yeah, it was a couple for Falcao that night, a couple for Hulk. And, of course, <laughs> there was the incredible scene where um, Roberto, of, of course, who didn't have a great spell at West Ham, the Spanish goalkeeper, mm-hmm. um, he had a difficult time that season. And at the, the home end, but behind the goal, some Porto fans released a live chicken into his goal area <laughs> because frango, the word for chicken, is also like the expression meaning dreadful goalkeeping mistake in oh, Portuguese. No. So obviously, he, he just about resisted the temptation to chase it around the goal <laughs> mouth <laughs> because that, that would have been even worse, I think. Oh, but I think that was such an incredible show of strength. Ulk was incredible in, in that game. He, he completely dominated the match. And then you get to um, the new year. You get to 2011 and you talked about uh, rare defeats outside the Liga for for Porto well one of them was when Benfica went for the first leg of the Portuguese Cup semi-final mm-hmm. in February and won um, 2-0 at, at, at Dragao and um, you think okay, okay well that's very very difficult to come back yeah. from especially against a team like Benfica and it was two months in well two and a half months until the second leg was played this is Portuguese football for you. A semi-final with two legs of, of, of it, that, two and a half months apart. I need to look into that. That's bloody ridiculous. It's kind of absurd. And um, so and anyway, just before that, 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 what that means is going into April, Porto um, had uh, were going to Benfica twice in 17 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was lucky enough to be at both those matches because I was living in Lisbon at the time. And... Um, for the first one at the start of April, um, Porto go there. They win two um, one, and yes, there was a Roberto Frango in there, and um, that was the one where Porto won the league at Benfica. It was the earliest point that in a season that anyone had ever won a Portuguese league. And it was the moment when the Porto players were celebrating on the pitch, and the Benfica brass apparently due to a technical misfunction, turned all the lights in the stadium off. Uh, I thought you were going to say they set the eagle on them. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> right, get both of them. <laughs> I, tell, I tell you, Village Boash was lean in those days. I think he could have taken the eagle on. And of course, yeah. Benfica, Benfica only had one eagle, not two in those days. Oh, right. Okay. So they now operate a, a, a dual um, eagle rotation system. I was about to say, very modern, very modern <laughs> in European football. <laughs> but that, I, that wasn't the case at the time. But yeah, and, and then they, uh, after turning the lights off, some emergency backup lights came on. And they the turned, sprinklers on. They turned the sprinklers on, yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, Porto, because they were flying on such a, a an incredible feeling, they yeah. just celebrated. They jumped into the the sprinklers like they were Real Madrid celebrating a title at Thibeles in the fountain, um, and it was it was it was amazing. And then seventeen days later, mm-hmm. Porto come back, um, and they win three one and go through to the Portuguese Cup final. And this Not is what good. leads to them going to the treble. And there was an amazing moment in that. 
A treble. They didn't win the Champions League. <laughs> a treble. Yeah. yeah. Jose, did yeah. Jose Reno, he messed up the treble. I'm, I'm playing uh, hard and fast with the Portuguese football lexicon there. You are. You, well, you're doing a Mourinho when he won, when he won a treble. Exactly. Uh, at Manchester United. Uh, there, was this, there was this incredible moment, sorry, where... Um, uh, in, in that game where uh, it was it was 3-0 to Porto and then um, Benfica pulled one back so it was 3 all on aggregate but Porto was still leading on away goals and Carlos Martins the um, Benfica midfielder he looked over to George Jesus on the bench just uh, in front of where I was sitting and he was like are, are we um, do we need another goal and he's going yes we're losing on away goals we need another goal and Jesus is just like getting onto the cusp of the pitch going yes we need to score again get forward get forward <laughs> and at this point Village Boas his trousers are very tight but yeah, he's yeah. very calm and I think the incredible thing is was he semied up as well Probably, mm. but I, I, I think when you look at um, the sort of football that Porto played and the whole atmosphere around the club, it was so intoxicating and you couldn't help but admire it. I, I mean, I've never felt, I, I covered that team a lot and I've never felt a feeling like that around a football team. Just mm. everyone vibed off everyone's company. They yeah. were looking forward to every game. They were so implicated. All the players, even the ones on the bench, like were, were really Incredible. involved, all the staff. And... The incredible thing at the heart of it is when you think that this must have been difficult for Benfica fans to accept. You've had all those Porto years of dominance. You come back and smash them with a charismatic coach playing wonderful football. And then the very next season, they get a young guy Mm -hmm. who comes and does this in Villas-Boas. But yet the fact that Villas-Boas and Jorge Jesus should be total enemies the fact they come from very very different backgrounds uh, George Jesus comes from um, quite a quite a, a poor working class background mm-hmm. and like Village Boas is all but landed gentry they get on really really well and there's there's a there's a connection between them that they there's a lot that they admire in each other which really should be at the heart of all great sport and it's interesting, when you wind forward a couple of years, do you remember that row on the touchline at White Hart Lane between um, uh, George Jesus and Tim Sherwood, where oh. George Jesus says some not particularly nice things to him? Yeah. And he's asked about that, and he's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm AVB's mate. Of course I'm going to get stuck into him, which yeah, I thought well, was quite interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, that's... Yeah, less said about Tim Sherwood and this, the better. But uh, but you're right. I mean, you know, Vish Boas became the third youngest coach ever to win the top flight in Portugal. It was you know the last time somebody of a similar age was in 1962, and he also was became the youngest manager to ever win a European competition as well, at the age of 33 and, and 213 days, because winning the Europa League that season was was an incredible achievement. Um, they beat uh, Braga, of course, in the final. Incredible. Mm. It, it was a real Portugal-dominated competition. That they had three of the last four teams yeah. in the cup that year, which is quite remarkable and amazing that Braga, little Braga, made it all the way to the final as well. And Braga made more money than any of them because they played in the Champions League for the group stage. Mm. And then transferred over, yeah. so uh, that that absolutely filled their their pockets in that one. And of course, <laughs> it, it, it cost Tuppence Apeney to to build the team, but the, um, of course that that well, it wasn't a particularly brilliant final. But the the main part of that was 
Falcao scoring the winning goal with just an amazing header. It just rises like a phoenix from the flames mm. to to put the header in. It's, it's it's magnificent. Of course, he went on to dominate the Europa League in his in, in his own way because he, he he did it with Atletico too later on. Um, but the the the, I, the things I remember about that are. Firstly, the celebrations in the final itself, because they were wild. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they were. It was. It was just such a moment. And to me, when Rilish Boas went to Chelsea afterwards, it was really quite sad because I think if he stuck with that team, they could have done something quite special in the Champions League. Do you think? He's, I mean, hindsight's a, a, a wonderful thing, but he, he, you know, he was only at Porto for one season, mm. and it was. They were so phenomenally successful. They won the um, you know Portugal's main cup competition. The, yeah. the, the the Tassa de Portugal. Mm. They won the league, of course. They won the uh, Europa League. I mean, they even won the Portugal Super Cup. If you want to chuck that one yeah. in there as well, you know, the only thing that was missing was really the Champions League. But of course, they weren't in the Champions League. They were in the Europa League. It, one of the best seasons that club has ever had. Yeah. Do you think that 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 he thought, well, I've done it all here, really? I or think, do you think he was his ambition after that season? He was thinking, I can take on anybody because you would think that. Yeah, I think I think so, and I think sometimes his ambition has has, has got the better of him a, a little bit. But then you look at the way, not just the atmosphere at the club at the time, but the impact that he had on some of those players. Like um, we talked about, Hulk having his best ever season, mm. and you, you know you you wind back to the season before that, and he was suspended for three and a half months after a punch-up in the tunnel at the Estadio de Luz. And, and, and then all of a sudden, he's this focused, unplayable scorer and and, and creator rather than just this, I don't know, like a, a show, for want of a better word, someone who's mm-hmm. known for his, his his power and his name and his charisma. You know, I think I think people started to, to look at him and see there's an incredible player. Moutinho, who was... Um, like really sporting like completely coated him off and like diminished his legacy at the club after he was such a young captain and such a good player for them and the president came out and said he's a rotten apple and we need to get him out of the club and then he went to to Porto and and just played brilliantly almost taking the Bobby Robson path really being thrown out of sporting and then going on to succeed so well at Porto look at Fernando you mentioned Fernando before and Fernando was you know just um, someone who would pass the ball sideways or if someone tried to go past them he, he would foul him that that's what he did before AVB got there but Village Boas said to him look you're a player why don't you bring the ball out you know we want to attack we all want to attack we all want to press we all want to show some energy you bring the ball out as well and Fernando doesn't get the move to Manchester City or do well in Galatasaray or Sevilla as he's still doing really well now without that season with AVB I don't think yeah Andy, it's been bloody delightful talking to you about uh, Vyash Boris's greatest ever season, one would certainly um, argue. Uh, just to clarify on something I said earlier, did Mourinho did uh, come very close to a treble, the treble with Porto when they won League Champions League, but didn't they lose in the final? Of the, the- Tasta Portugal? Yeah. I'd, I'd, you, I would love you to meet him and bring that up to him. I think it still gets on his nerves. <laughs> do you think? Do you really? Do you think? No, 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 least... it, it was, there was so much anger at the time. So much anger. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I think. Yeah. I'll, I'll try and if I ever meet the great man, I'll say. Yeah. Uh, I'll say that then. That's uh, always good to have in the back. Tasta Portugal, two two thousand and four. I was there. I wasn't. Yeah, talk... but I just want to wind you up about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. 
Talk to me about that big man. Well, um, yeah, but, but also it's nice to remember because I, I think in England, Vish Boas, you think, yeah, he, was he too young for the Chelsea job? You know, obviously those comments mm. that Frank Lampard made about him when he left have sort of come back to people using that as a stick to beat Frank Lampard with him. I think it's a, you know, make what you will of that if there's mm. any value in it, perhaps not. But, uh, but, but there was that kind of feeling. And then, of course, he was Spurs manager. It didn't work out. And he came across as a little bit sort of a... A prickly character, I think, with the press and, and and so on. Again, I'm not taking sides there, but that's perhaps the persona or the stereotype, not stereotype, the um, the image that we have of him yeah. in England. One can forget, though, just how incredible he was in this year of Porto. I, I agree. I think maybe his career didn't turn out quite as he would have imagined or quite mm-hmm. as he would have wanted to. Not that he's not done anything in the rest of his career. I think the rest of his coaching career is like pretty worthy and he, he has yeah. he has done some stuff. And he went but, on that rally as well. Yeah, exactly. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't finish it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I do think that this season was just... It's just about being a moment in time. I don't think it's about what went before it or went, yeah. went after it. Just that moment in time was one of those perfect periods of football mm. history where you just had mm. to, to marvel and drink it all in. Yeah, it all came together. Mad that he took the Chelsea job when he was 34. But they always, <laughs> that's but that's how good this was because they, they, they believed in him and so on. So there we are. Andy Brassel, bloody pleasure as always talking to you about that. Uh, that was... Uh, the teams of our lives, ladies and gentlemen. The specific side, of course, was FC Porto under Vyash Boas. You've probably figured that out by now. Um, if that is news to you, then you've just been sleeping <laughs> all the way through it, damn you. Go back to the start and listen again. Thanks very much. See you next week. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.